Spencer. Hello. We got a shout out. What is it? This uh this shout out is from uh the well actually let me rewind. Hey guys, sometimes we do shout outs. If you go to shop.whatifpodcast.com, uh you could toss us 50 bones and we'll read uh like almost anything. 60 second version of pretty much almost anything. Um, this week's is from Joss. Joss is from off the cutting room floor and Josh says my entire life. I've loved researching behind the scenes stories and legends surrounding films. Now I've decided to tell some of my favorites on my new podcast off the cutting room floor featuring a cast with some of my favorite podcasters parentheses, no Ryan or Spencer. I'm sorry. I thought they'd be too busy, which you know what, Joss, I'm going to tell you what. You're right. We bar- we literally barely have enough time to do this show. So we are probably too busy. But you know what? Maybe sometime. Uh, season one takes a look at the musical Little Shop of Horrors and some of the biggest changes and revisions made during development. Examining everything from the creation of the musical's dark side of Grease score to what the fuck actually happened with the film's ending... This first season has been in the work for legit three years, and I've been able to uncover some amazing things, and I'm so excited to finally get these stories out into the world. Season two might be about a couple of Nazis taken down by their own hubris while trying to make a propaganda Titanic film. It's a real shit show. Sounds like it. Joss, it sounds fucking awesome. Uh, If you want to get down on some awesome, check out Off the Cutting Room Floor. It's a bite-sized history podcast. You can find it on social at OTC Room Pod. And season one, Little Shop of Horrors, can be found on your pod catcher of choice with new episodes every Friday starting January 3rd of this year. So you got a couple to go get down on before you keep it rolling. That's it. That's all we got for shoutouts this week. Thanks, Joss. We'll get back to the show. Whole program's cocked. Two Deckard. Captain's Log. Episode 168. We still know what the fuck we're doing out here. We've officially... We can't even hit record on the goddamn podcast. Retrospective. Episode 67. We thought we were two Deckard. It turns out, some hundred episodes later, we are in fact two Deckard, bud. How did they never figure this shit out? A what if podcast story. What if they never, they never got, got better? What if they never <laughs> got their shit together? Oh, ah. and here we are. Hi, how are you? Kicking ass and taking names. What's up, man? I'm Spencer. That's Ryan. This is what if. You like how on episode like 163, I started introducing us in the show. I like how I did it for the first hundred <laughs> episodes and you were like, that shit's weird, dude. Why you introduce us? And well, I was like, because people probably want to know who we are when we talk to them. Yeah. And now you're yeah. like, now you're like a hundred episodes later. He was right that whole time. Ryan, remember what, what have I taught you? What, which part? The one thing I've taught you about this podcast. Uh, I don't, we don't owe anyone anything. <laughs> these got, people's shit. Gotta, yeah. gotta, 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 <laughs> I waited so long. What did you do to these? <laughs> that sat still for like a solid 15 minutes. It blew up more than mine. <laughs> what the fuck did you it's do to like these beers? Waiting made it worse. <laughs> I haven't had a beer in 
five oh, weeks, Jesus, and I just poured my first so, one all over my own carpet. That was so awesome <laughs> to watch, you guys. I'm sorry this is a podcast, because uh, I just... At least we already had the goddamn paper towels in here. <laughs> it was Jesus like a fucking Christ. grenade. Holy <laughs> shit, bud. Ryan handed me a fucking... Oh, man. Weasley joke beer. <laughs> Weasley joke beer. Now, yeah, Fred, Fred and George Weasley. Oh, Weasley joke I beer. Listen to the, the, the Harry Potter audio. Got books. it. Got it. I thought you were calling me like a Weasley no, young fella. What, what's their shop of like? Uh, you know, their joke novelty shop that they start after they drop out of Hogwarts. Uh, Weasley you know brothers. You know what I mean? Birdie Blots. No, that's something else. Yeah, that thing. Isn't that something else? I, I, I don't remember. Whoa, Hi. sorry, gang. Uh, We're here. <laughs> my, my beer blew up before the episode started. Spencer's blew up. I waited up. a good 15 minutes, and mine was 10 times worse. It, it was a grenade. You caught mm. a grenade. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, here we are, Hi, everybody. Friends. What's going on? I've been uh, spending most of my time watching The Good Place lately. Sick. My wife watches that show and Have loves it. Have you seen it. it? No. Oh, boy, it's worth it. Okay. I've watched two seasons in the last three days. <laughs> oh, buddy, look at you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's good stuff. I I mean, I I was already planning on it with her co-sign, but um, I think uh, it's been co-signed by enough people at this point. I got to give it a go. Yeah. I got finally shamed into it by, like, literally everyone that I know and love and trust and telling like, me that I would and, enjoy this show. And you're like, okay, that turns point. out it's... A fantastic show. And it's I about it. like heaven and hell and death and shit, right? Yeah, right up my it's, fucking. Well, it's like <laughs> sad the perfect. Alley. No, it's the perfect show for me because it's fun and funny and smart and like it's a, a few main characters that are all like really pulling for each other. Mm-hmm. It's very. Uh, it's like, it's not. It's the opposite of stress entertainment. Mm. Mm. Yeah, which is we, usually what I'm going for. We've talked about that. Yeah, before. Fuck, fuck being anxious when you watch things, because I'm anxious all the time anyway. Exactly. <laughs> I need to add anxiety to my life when I watch entertainment. That's not entertainment, that's anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to feel bad? Yeah, it's free. Just stare at this thing for an hour. Bro, I want to go to a movie and just yell, that's not entertainment, that's anxiety. That's how I felt. That's how I feel watching even like, a f- like fucking heist movies are too stressful for me, man. Mm. Mm. I have no tolerance. Mm. I, I just d- I do like a good high school. I just I need say. like friends telling each other jokes and hugging. That's like the only kind of entertainment I can handle. And that's why literally we make this <laughs> show because that's ex- it's exactly what we do. Or I need like sci-fi, but only the the like uh, utopia kind, like Star Trek: The Next Generation, not like Blade Runner. I heard there there's that new um, there's that new Picard? Showtime. Oh. No, there's a new Showtime show that's like a comedy. It's like a Star Trek-esque comedy show. I got nothing. Mm, supposed to be funny. I had a Showtime subscription for like two months mm, to, I, to watch my own shit, and then I canceled it. That's tight. That's that's so baller. <laughs> Bro, how did you not work that into the contract? Hey, um, if I'm yeah, going right, to have music on me, a Showtime show, I'm well, going to need some Showtime out of it. I did get a promo code for a free 30-day trial. <laughs> It's only seven days. Normally, I waited till it came out. I, I mean, watched it. I guess it, that's was en- it was enough. I made it work. hot, but no. I mean, they paid me. I know. I, I, like know, I know. I know. I'm just hey saying man, that you should want, also you be want part write of some it. music. We got a free thirty day trial for you. <laughs> we got an AOL CD for you. Motherfucker, what am I? Eighteen? Get the fuck out of here. AOL 4.0. We got as many CDs as you want, bro. <laughs> 
We got anything we got to talk about before we talk about Bud's goofy ass? Um, I don't know. I don't think we have any announcements. We we got a we got a man. We keep getting so many voicemails, and we keep. Hey, I want I want to say something really quick. We always talk about our voicemail number, and I know we don't always play voicemails on here. Y'all should know that part of the Patreon. We so we put out two episodes a week. This is the free one. The paid one comes out on Fridays. It's at patreoncom slash what podcast. Fridays-ish. It's only five bucks a month. Yeah. Uh, that one is a lot more like us being conversational and like talking about more stuff. And we talk, we play a lot of voicemails on there. So if you've called us and left us a voicemail, we damn well may have played it on the Patreon. So I don't know. That's not a sell to get people over there. That's more saying like, we don't never play voicemails. We just play them over there. If you like us and you want to talk to us, we will extort you. Okay. Is what Ryan is saying. Breath, fuckery, and extortion. <laughs> that's, that's the only reason we're here. Um, but but yeah, if you do want to leave us a voicemail, 612-246-4614, or emails are high at whatifpodcast.com. Uh, we got a dope-ass email from Chile this morning, dude. How cool is that? People in Chile, Davis? People in Chile listen to our show. Oh, like Chile, the country. Yeah, not Chile Davis. Yeah, sorry, Chile. I didn't put the I didn't put the stank on it like you did. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not putting stank on it. It's saying the wrong word. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but shout out to Poli from Chile. It's tight that people in all kinds of weird. Places hey, while we're here, do you have uh, the copy for the thing that we've forgotten to do yeah, the last yeah, few weeks? Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll get there. Great, no great, 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 yeah. great, 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 Got him. Got him. All right. Well, let's talk about some people being abducted by UFOs. Fucking A crowbar. Let's talk about Linda Cortile. You know, okay, wait, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop you quick. <laughs> I didn't get you, very far, but go begin. ahead. I got two words. Uh, we haven't done, I don't feel like we've done an abduction story in a hot minute. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while, I think. Is that fair? Well, we did the who was the Canadian bloke who saw you who got burned on the chest by a UFO. Big fan of Heating. mixing Canadian and bloke together. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> huge, huge choice. Very. He into didn't it. get abducted, but uh, he had an interaction. We talked he had an about experience. A, we talked about a UFO maybe five or six weeks ago. Uh, that's true, but we haven't done like a true abduction no, story in yeah. a hot. Minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's one. Number two. This fucking story is the most bizarre, like fucking mm-hmm. uh, spaghetti ass, mm-hmm. messy, weird, very messy, bro, fucking thing we've maybe ever talked about. Yes, and I'm gonna need your help because I don't even know where to start. I'm not sure I do either, but we're <laughs> so gonna, let's we, jump but in. We are going to start feet. here. So Linda Cortile was originally uh, an alias that Linda Napolitano Napolitano nailed it Linda she wakes up one night in her bed in Manhattan yes and she sees a person slash maybe an alien standing at the foot of her bed thanks I'd rather not and she sees her husband sleeping next to her in the same bed this alien guy takes her away to some sort of examination room. She's not sure where this physically is located. It's a gray, right? Yeah, more or less. Again, it's hard to even like say with any certainty the details of the story because we'll get there. 
she's in some sort of exam room uh, where she sees more aliens. She's on a table, and then she's back in her bed. Her -hmm. husband is still asleep next to her. The next morning, she thinks to herself, like, that was super weird. That didn't feel like a dream. That felt real. Yeah. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And she read a book by Bud Hopkins called Intruders, uh, which is about alien abduction. To clarify, she read it because of her experience. She had not previously read the book. I'm not sure. Okay. She was aware of Bud Hopkins prior to this incident. Sure, sure, sure. If whether she read Intruders before or after, I'm not sure. If it was like I know about Bud Hopkins, whoa, this crazy shit happened. Right, right. Oh, right. the only guy I know who talks about aliens is Bud Hopkins. I should read his book. Right, right, I right. I think that's the order of operations here, but I'm with you. I don't know. Uh and she after reading Intruders decides to get in touch with Bud Hopkins because she thinks maybe he can help her understand what she experienced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She hey, do- man. <laughs> she does, and he's willing to meet with her and work with her. And under hypnosis, which always gets dicey for me, she recalls that she recalls being levitated out of her bedroom through the window and hovering across like a, I don't know, through the air outside of her apartment Yeah, into this UFO that was hovering next to her apartment. Yeah, lit. Um, and was then once abo- upon this UFO subjected to some experiments of, a, of some medical nature by a bunch of little aliens. Did, uh... Do we want to read her clam quote? Clam quote? She called it a clam. I don't know the clam quote, so if you'd like to lead us in a clam quote, I guess now would be a good time. (laughs) My time to shine! Um, This is a quote from her uh, from later on under hypnosis where she said, I'm standing up on nothing, and they take me out, all the way out, way above the building. Oh, I hope I don't fall. The the UFO opens up almost like a clam, and then I'm inside, and I see benches similar to regular benches, which is an awesome quote. Benches, you know, like benches. uh, Can we put on the list benches similar to regular benches? Because I feel like that's a pretty cool name. Yes. In Uh, the the good place? Yes. (laughs) You can't can't cuss in the good place, right? Mm -hmm. So if you try to... Your speech is auto-corrected to a like similar word, uh, and so anytime you try and say "bitch," it, it says "bench." Got it. Just makes that more fun. Benches similar to regular benches. Bitches similar to regular bitches, <laughs> but benches. Yeah, us. Regular uh, bitches. She says, and they're bringing me down a hallway. Doors, similar to a regular hallway, <laughs> right? Doors open like sliding doors, like regular doors, similar to regular <laughs> sliding doors. <laughs> Inside are all these lights, similar to, no, inside are all these lights and buttons and a big long table. I don't want to get on the table, but they get me on the table anyway. They start saying things to me and I'm yelling. I can still yell. One of them says something that sounds like knobby egg. Oh yeah, I do know this quote. I think they were trying to tell me to be quiet because he put his hand over my mouth. Knobby egg has to be on the list. Uh, <laughs> I guess <laughs> it's a weird one. I, I'm I'll a, allow it. Yeah. Uh, just to go back a step, this happened uh, on November 30th of 1989. Yes. 
Sometime in the middle of the night, uh, maybe 3 a.m. ish. Yeah, the their reports are anywhere from like 2:30 to 3 or 3:15. So this happens in November. I think she gets in touch with uh, Bud Hopkins within a month or two. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's like top of the year. Yeah, um, a year after this, so the following November or early December, Hopkins gets a letter from two people who identified themselves as Richard and Dan who claim that they actually saw Linda being abducted out of her window. They originally identify themselves as NYPD police officers who were on patrol in the area that night. Their story is particularly messy. Oh, Oh, big time, bud, <laughs> big time, bud. Um, and we'll talk about it later, but the reason they originally uh, identified themselves as such is because they were connected to a third person that they didn't want to have to reveal in their communication. Don't tell my lawyer we kill people, man. Yes. So yes. these so two good. these two guys uh, corroborate Linda's story, more or less. They claim that they saw her float out of her window. Uh, Let's see. I have a quote from Richard. There was an oval-shaped object hovering over the top of the apartment building two or three blocks up from where we sat. We didn't know where it came from. It happened too fast. Its lights turned from a bright reddish-orange to a whitish-blue coming out of the bottom. Green lights rotated around the edge of the saucer. A little girl or woman wearing a white gown sailed out of the window in a fetal position and then stood in midair in this beam of light. I could see three of the ugliest creatures I ever saw. I don't know what they were. They weren't human. Their heads were out of proportion, very large heads with no hair. Those buggers were escorting her into the craft. My partner screamed, we've got to go get them. We tried to get out of the car, but couldn't. After the woman was escorted in, the oval turned reddish orange again and whisked off. So that's what they claim to have seen on the evening of November 30th uh, from about three blocks away from... Linda's apartment. Yeah, and first first question about this uh, alleged corroborating evidence. If you are three blocks away from someone, can you see their hair? Um. So I've heard I've heard the about three blocks away thing too, but I actually looked pretty intensely at a map. Um to see technically where they said they were. And it's more like one and a half. Okay. And they're, and they're like pretty, um, this is also happening up in the air, correct? So you have vertical distance as well. Yeah. We didn't get, at least not that I saw, I didn't read anywhere what floor this was happening on. Which would change things pretty significantly. I mean, well, obviously, I mean, he said the thing was hovering over the building, right? But I'm saying I don't know. Did she come out of the 15th floor and go all the way up, or did she come out of the fourth floor and go all the way up? Because that's a different. Oh, I see. That's so a, maybe she started out closer to them, right? I mean, yeah. if she came out of the 30th floor of an apartment building, yeah, you're for sure not seeing hair. But if it you're a block seems- and a half away and something just flies out of like a a third floor or fourth floor, you'd be like, what the fuck? Even within the context of this quote, though, you can't tell whether it's a child or an adult woman, but you can see 
that the little, even smaller than the person creatures are bald? So I definitely agree with you that it just like, seems odd. It seems odd and it seems messy. I will say though, like, I think we've all probably had situations where like something pretty crazy happens to you and the more you tell the story the more like crystallized the details become whether or not they're like true memories of it well, or, that's my point though. well yeah 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 <laughs> but i mean i'm just saying like i'm saying i don't necessarily think it necessarily entirely invalidates the take as much as it is one of those situations where it's like something can crystallize over time in a way that may not have been like a perfectly accurate representation of the initial situation. Right. And my point is, I don't think this is a totally accurate representation of this alleged situation. Right. And I guess what I'm trying to say is somebody so could have come flying out the window and the blonde flowing hair thing might've been a little bit of a, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I'm just already highly skeptical of these, People who have never even been confirmed to exist, first of all. That is true. Richard and we have no evidence of Richard and Dan actually existing. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the the story about who these guys are has changed over time as well. Uh initially well, I don't know. I don't even know the order of these things. The two men were apparently bodyguards for a United Nations statesman who was visiting Manhattan. Yeah. Who that's... Was someone who was eventually identified as Javier Perez de Cuellar. Thank you. Who, according to the two men who wrote this letter, Richard and Dan, uh, also witnessed this event. Now... It is um, it is true that Cuellar was a Peruvian politician and a diplomat, and he was also the fifth secretary general of the United Nations, and he was also in New York the night of this incident. So that's fine. I'm just telling. I'm look. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not right. defending anything. I'm just saying those are all true things. Um, Cuellar was born in 1920, and he's still alive, which is pretty wild. Damn. He's a hundo. Well. No, he actually is a, is a hundo, though. He's got an early birthday. He's a hundo. Good for him. Yeah. Um, he was born, I can tell you. Mm, never mind, I can't. I closed it. <laughs> he was born sometime prior to February 5th. Mm -hmm. January 19th. There it is. Shout out to Nick Mesta. That's his birthday, too. Cool. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm These two guys, and I don't know, could you find where this information about Richard and Dan was coming from? Is this being reported by Hopkins, by Linda, by... Yeah, so should we, um, should we introduce Bud Hopkins fully to the situation? Sure. So a lot of this came out uh, through a book that Bud Hopkins wrote about this whole ordeal that was titled help me out have we talked much about bud on the show i feel like we I haven't think, i don't think so hang on intruders was the first book this was called hang on i've got it i do too but you know um this is extra bad because i've read this book <sighs> mm. 
witnessed there the true story of the Brooklyn Bridge UFO abductions. It came out in 1996, seven years after Linda's initial experience. I read that whole book on an airplane like 15 years ago. Um, so I think most of this information is coming from Bud's book about this event. Yeah, and Bud... Bud says that Richard and Dan got in touch with him via letters and started sending him letters about their experience. Yeah. And they were corresponding that way, which, I mean, at the time, like, you know, I guess we're a little, I mean, we're a little pre-internet at that point. So, yeah, you're probably... Early internet, yeah. Yeah, early, early internet. So you're probably doing more of that than you are, like, corresponding via text message or email. Well, and if you don't necessarily want your identity known right away, you're probably not calling someone. or Right. I I have a couple issues with Bud's involvement. Or, or Bud's involvement makes me question the validity of this story in a couple ways. Sure. The first being that he has made a significant amount of money off of this story. Sure. So he has a, a huge incentive to, uh, have this be a good story. Enhance computer enhance. <laughs> uh, the second being that Bud Hopkins was a great proponent of using hypnosis and hypnotic regression in an attempt to uncover repressed memory, specifically relating to alien UFO encounters and abductions. Yeah, and we've talked, I would say, at length about some of the problems with hypnotic regression and the potential to lead and implant and inflate. I would love to someday talk to an expert um, in hypnotic regression or someone more familiar with the actual brain processes yeah uh, that are happening during a hypnotic regression yeah but as far as i'm aware there's no good evidence um to support hypnotic regression being like a uh what's the word i'm looking for effective or uh, or like effective in in the sense of recovering accurate memory. Yeah, you could take somebody on a tour of their brain, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're exposing like actual memory that has been locked away. One of I the- have a problem with that concept in general that we as human beings are capable of storing crystal clear memories that we somehow like don't have access to, but that through like guidance you can access a crystal clear memory like i, I, yeah. I don't, i'm an idiot and i don't uh, like to your point we should talk to an expert on it but i've never been like i don't know I, like i guess i mean yes like sometimes someone will be like hey do you remember that thing that'll like jog your memory but i've never i've never gone from oh yeah i kind of remember that or oh yeah that's right we did do that for that party when i was in fifth grade or whatever but i've never been like oh yeah and then at that moment i walked out the door and then i went up the stairs and that you know like and everyone's license plates are burned into my memory somewhere exactly exactly like there's a degree of specificity that these situations quote unquote uncover that i feel extremely skeptical about going back to uh harry potter for a moment 
It's like let's <laughs> the way it's depicted so often it being hypnotic regression is like looking into the the dang pensive and you're like you're reliving the situation exactly as it right. actually happened as if there's even an objective way that one situation happens. Right. Right, cuz you're going to view it from every every person has their own point of view even of the same situation. So it's not like even if that were possible, you could go back and view an objective replay of this scenario. Right. But that's how it's often presented in these types of cases. Right. So anyway, on top of that, Bud Hopkins was not trained as a hypnotist or as a scientist or anything close to it. My man had an art history degree. He Which did, not to shit on the arts, but like it doesn't qualify you to be hypnotizing people. No, and he did be have, playing psychotherapist. No, he did have uh, he did have eight years of experience studying the concepts. It by sitting in on other people's hypnotisms and regressions and stuff like that. But no, I mean, he's a pretty good painter, though. Yeah, I haven't seen his. It's not bad. All right, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the interesting problems with this story is the vast majority of the information about Linda. Well, are we calling her Colita or, or, or sorry, not Colita, Cortillo or, or Napolitano? Whatever. She's both or neither yeah. or whatever. I mean, um, I think, I, I think in Bud's book, she was Cortillo. Got it. But it, I think her actual name is. The Neapolitan, what was it? Napolitano. Napolitano. I think th- that's her actual name, correct? Uh, yeah. Well, I think one was a former name, but I'm not entirely sure. I thought Cortillo was an alias. Oh, was it? I think so. Oh, got it. Got it. Got it. Anyway, anyway, so, a lot of this is filtered through him. I guess is what we're trying to say. Which all is, of it is, except when they did presentations together, <laughs> which to me is still like a little iffy. And also, she, at one point, claimed that they were splitting the profits of his book 50-50. Oh, that's interesting. There are also some additional witnesses in the situation, and we'll get to one of them later. Um, But, go ahead. Should we go down the rest of the Richard and Dan road first? Yeah, let's do that. We should probably finish telling telling the story in in whole. Pretty wild. Yes. So... They get uh, Hopkins gets this letter from these two people claiming to be uh, bodyguards for a UN diplomat mm-hmm. uh, who claimed to have witnessed this abduction. And one of the two, I'm not sure which, um, started to sort of lose it, and specifically in regards to Linda. It was Dan. Dan? Okay. Dan thought that Linda had some sort of superpowers tied to her abduction experience. Yeah. And not just like superpowers, but thought that she was communing with the aliens that had abducted her or like had a connection to them, potentially an ongoing connection to him, to them at one point in the book. 
Uh, he refers to her as a half breed, as in like he potentially believed that she was part alien Human of some alien kind. Hybrid. Yeah. So as a result of this thinking, he starts stalking. <laughs> What? Just the way you deliver that was just as a result of this thinking. <laughs> it's just a very uh this guy's. He starts stalking Linda and uh eventually kidnaps her more than once. The first time it says the the first time I read that Dan and Richard quote kidnapped her together. Oh, okay. Which was Apparently more of a, they went to her apartment, asked her to go on a ride with them, and they basically like kept her from going home for three hours and grilled her in the car about her experience and what she knew. I mean, that sounds like kidnapping. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I just mean like, it was less like, we're going to like chain you to a, a pole in a basement and keep you here forever type kidnapping and more like, we're going to take you against your will for a short period of time because we think you have like information or something like that. Um, <laughs> not cool. Uh, t- very not cool. Don't do this. Det- but I'm just saying different. Detail about this first kidnapping. They thought she worked for the government and then also asked her to take off her shoes so that they could examine her feet because aliens don't have toes. Sick. So if you got toes. According to who? Dan and Richard, mm. Dick and Dan, with all the, with all the aliens they've seen in their lives, none of them had toes. Apparently not. Or every human they've seen does have toes. Therefore, therefore, no toes. Alien. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Makes um, complete and total sense, and I'm fully on board. Linda remembered another car being involved with this first kidnapping. So they, they like pulled up next to her on the street. And forced her into this car, drove oh. drove around for three and a half hours talking to her. Is that the maybe I'm conflating that one with the fact that they actually went and visited her at her apartment then. That's what it was. Before they kidnapped her, they went and visited her. Okay. But okay, but here's what I want to know. How did they know who she was? Because if sorry, for those of you that can't see. Spencer just threw two hands up I'm in the air, sort of. At Ryan yeah. as uh, as if to say, "I don't fucking know." They wouldn't have, right? Because this, because ostensibly, this all happened before or during the Bud times. But Bud wouldn't have told these fucking <laughs> Bud times. Bud times sounds like fun. But <laughs> that's what that's what we should call the show. Hey guys, it's Bud times. <laughs> um, but Bud wouldn't have just been like. Oh, here's the name and address of the woman. Well, well unless he would have if he was a fucking. So I don't, I don't know Goober. when. So this says April of 91 was when she got kidnapped. Mm-hmm. So that was a year and a half after the incident. Right. She did do some presentations with Bud. Like right after the fact? I don't, I don't know when they happened. But she was doing some like. MUFON and conference type presentations publicly talking about her experience. When was the first letter from Richard and Dan sent I, to Bud? I don't know. Let me see. Let me see if I can find it. I um, 
April, she was kidnapped. What I have just says more than a year after the experience. So that would put it like late 90, early 91. And so, then in April of 91, she was kidnapped the first time. So particularly in that situation, and especially if she was potentially doing interviews or showing up to MUFON events early on, because for what it's worth, for those that don't know, Bud was the director of MUFON New York at the time of this incident. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So if she was doing MUFON events with him at the time, there's a possibility that they could have learned or seen. And that just delegitimizes the thing entirely because it's like if this was a case that was... putting it in quotation, like publicly known, but like known amongst the sphere of people who are showing up to move on events. How can you take any of the rest of what follows credibly? That reminded me of uh, one other issue I forgot to bring up with in, in regards to why I just don't really trust Bud Hopkins. Uh, yes. He, I like that. We're totally just shitting on Bud Hopkins. And we haven't even like fully finished telling the story. Fine. I mean, itself. It's, you know, we'll mention it as it comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if someone presented a story like this to me with some pretty specific pieces of information in terms of where it happened, when it happened, um, who else was present, like there, there's some verifiable facts in her story. Sure. Right. She lived in a very, in a, in a relatively large building with 1600 ish other people. It's New York city dead between the Manhattan bridge and the Brooklyn bridge. Yeah. Almost like right on the water. Like there. one of the densest parts of the entire country. Yeah. The, the entire world. Yes. It's three in the morning, but you know how many people are awake and outside at three in the morning in, in Manhattan? Yeah. A bunch. It's, that city doesn't sleep as you've heard. And if there is really a, th- a a large object shining lights on apartment buildings, hovering above apartment buildings, more than three people would have noticed. Well, so my going back to Bud, wouldn't your first inclination be to try and verify any piece of her story in terms of her husband, who apparently slept through, through this whole thing? You might want to talk to him. You might want to talk to neighbors or these people who are writing to you. You're just going to take anonymous strangers at their word for everything that they're saying. You're going to take her at her word for everything that she's saying. Are you going to verify even like what were condition weather conditions that night? Sure. Would this have even been visible from two blocks away? Sure. There are just so many like this. This dude doesn't appear to have investigated anything. Well, in, in like a traditional investigative sense and jumped straight to let's just hypnotically regress her and see what she says and take that as fact. Okay, so I appreciate what you're saying generally. Technically, that's not exactly true because in Witnessed, and I haven't read the book, but I found a really good like distillation of all of the witnesses and they're... In the book, he says he spoke to, in total, 23 individual witnesses that are some version of an eyewitness to some portion of Linda's story. 
But that is that including like are Richard and Dan on that list? Yes. You're, you know what? So it's an anonymous letter. Right. That's not that's not interviewing someone. Okay, but here's an example. Okay, let me give you one example. He he interviewed a reporter named Steve Dunleavy in late 2002 who was an investigative reporter for the New York Post. And he had seen the procession of limousines along South Street the night of the event that were supposedly stopped because people's cars had stopped. We didn't talk about the fact that there was supposedly a blackout that night in the middle of the night that people were uh, like stopping and getting out of their cars because there was a blackout happening in New York City in the middle of the night that night. Did you hear that part of things? No. So even more people should have seen this? Probably if there was a bright ass light, but the but the point that he tries to make throughout the course of the book was uh is that like there were twenty three individual people who saw some portion of this. What does that mean though, some portion? Um like this reporter Steve Dunleavy said that he saw the stopped series of limousines uh, outside of her building that was were supposedly stopped because people were up front looking at this thing happening. Come on. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying. I'm not saying come on to you. I'm saying come on to him. Yeah. Of like a fucking traffic jam in New York means that a woman got abducted by aliens. Right. Also, if they were all stopped staring up at a fucking alien spaceship in the sky. Right. You didn't turn your head to also look at the alien spaceship in the sky. Right, 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 right. No, I get it. Like that's not a witness. He interviews Yancey Spence who we could. Do you want me to tell the Yancey Spence story really yes, quick? please. Okay. So Yancey Spence uh, was a delivery driver for the New York Post uh, at the time of Linda Cortiel's abduction. And in, uh, let me find the year really quick, Uh, late 2001, uh, Yancey Spence published an op-ed in what was at the time called UFO magazine. I'm very concise to the point. So, I like it. Uh, yeah. Um what's what's it about? UFOs. What is it? Magazine. <laughs> it's a magazine. We're done. We're done and done. Uh the day Manhattan stood still, a true eyewitness account of the South Street abductions. Uh I'm going to read a chunk of it. Okay. Um Yancey basically the, the story that Yancey tells is he was taking the Manhattan Bridge back into Manhattan the night that Linda got abducted and that multiple people on the bridge with him at the time saw something strange. He says, to get back to the plant, I took the Manhattan Bridge. And at that time, both lanes under the pedestrian walkway were carrying Manhattan-bound traffic. At exactly 3.15 a.m., I was a third of the way over the crest with no traffic ahead of me when my truck lights and engine shut down and the truck coasted to a stop. I tried the emergency lights, but they didn't work either. I looked into my side view mirror to see what was going, who was going to pile into me, but then saw all of the headlights of the vehicles behind me go out, and they also slowly coasted to a stop. It felt like everything was going in slow motion. The bridge's lights went out and everything went dark. In retrospect, I believe that a power grid in lower Manhattan had shut down. It was an eerie sight to say the least, but outside of my window, I caught sight of a beam of red light can, playing can I, across the nearby buildings. Sorry, can I stop you for one second? Yes. That wouldn't affect... Cars and vehicles. No, it wouldn't. But I think he's like, I think he's making a case for like, this was extra weird. There was something going on. 
No, right. But he's th- sorry. Go back like two sentences where he said the it's something about the power grid. He, he said the bridge lights went out and everything went dark. And in retrospect, I believe that a power grid in lower Manhattan had shut down. But didn't he say that his vehicle and other vehicles also stopped at the same time? Yes. I think he's so saying it couldn't be that. Well, he's saying that's what he thought at the time. At the just, time, okay, like okay. maybe a bunch of cars were dying weirdly because there was a thing going on or I don't know. Okay. But apparently there was there was power going out, too. The light changed to, or sorry, he says, it was an eerie sight to say the least. Outside of my window, I caught sight of a beam of red light playing across the nearby buildings. The light changed to a greenish-white color and became pencil-thin as it traveled across the building facades. Whoever was outside at the time had to see it because this beam of light was the only power source working in the blackout. One of my thoughts was this must be some kind of laser test that the Brooklyn Navy Yard was conducting, but the source of the light stopped before the East River. The shape of the light kept changing from an oblong oval to a perfect circle and focused in on one of the top floors of a nearby building. And I actually forgot. I have a picture of the building itself that she was abducted out of, and it's like eight floors tall for what it's worth. Okay. Uh, at first, I couldn't make out what building it was, but as if to answer my thoughts, the beam of light shot down a street level and ran the length of the block, exposing two sets of distinctive 15-foot-high inverted metal fishhook gates. Uh... He's talking about the building, trying to figure out what building it was based on what was being illuminated. He says the light beam then shot back up to the top floor of the center building, the one with an exposed water tank and focused on the bottom half of a double pane window. There was a window to the right of it that was half the size, probably a bathroom window. And this greenish white beam of light started to go brighter and more intense. Uh, Okay, so this gets to your point. He says... This beam of light started to grow brighter and more intense, and then for some reason I looked out my side view mirror, and at that instant the sky lit up. I saw maybe two dozen people who were now outside of their stalled vehicles, and the flash illuminated them through the bridge's superstructure. Some of them were screaming and looked like crazed birds locked in cages as others pointed back towards the Knickerbocker. It was surreal, and it scared the hell out of me. So this guy is describing stopped traffic on the Manhattan Bridge with a power outage and people seeing this freaky light come down over a building, like, screaming. What are you talking about, freaky woman? Oh, yelling? You like yelling, woman? Yes. Okay, so... Go ahead. Well, two questions. Yes. Or maybe a two-part question. If dozens of people are witnessing this... Yes. No one said anything about it until five years after this book is out and this story is made the rounds. For sure. I mean, like, that's 100% the right criticism to have of this article. It's a, This it's dude one of those, waited 20 years to say something about it? It's an extremely, like, flowery, written, like, very, I mean, and again. Wait, wait, sorry, 10 years? You said 01? Uh, I think oh, he oh two. I think this this edition came okay. out, but 10, yeah, ten to twelve this years, ten to twelve years, a decade plus to say anything about it, right? And I think to your point, he's he in this moment is going. There is a shitload of people who saw this fucking fucked up, freaky thing happening. You can go talk to any of them, be like, hey, uh, what do you think that was? Um, he says. Within the bluish white light coming off the Knickerbocker, 
there were balls ascending upward in what an it, arrowhead what formation. Is the it's the building itself that they saw the oh, okay. the the light hitting. They were tumbling, and as they got closer to the source of the light, the balls opened up like blooming flowers. I could see there were three gray aliens in dark jumpsuits in a triangular formation surrounding an angelic-looking dark-haired woman in a white gown. No, you didn't. You could see what they were wearing? From the bridge. Halfway, from halfway across the bridge. Sam, no, no, you didn't. I know, bro. This, this article <laughs> specifically is so... You just didn't. ...absurd to me. Because it it, goes, it gets back to your point of like it seems like there's this very carefully curated list of witnesses of this thing that happened, but yet most of them go through Bud. This one is one of the only ones that's a third party. Like UFO Magazine published this account, but we don't know who this fucking Yancey person is. We don't know who wrote it. We don't like. There's not an interview that you can go read with. And between it, and Bud it, and Yancey and like talking and about what they saw came out five years after a best-selling book about the same event and 12 years after the event itself yeah. actually happened and like what it like tell me if you were on if you were on the uh if you were on Lake Street Bridge and you were looking towards the west and all of a sudden you saw massive chunks of South Minneapolis's power go out and then a fucking crazy like fucked up light like you're not calling the police at some point well, or first, fucking first of all okay we don't really call the police here but do you know what i mean I'm though, talking like, to one of the other three dozen people stopped on the bridge with me because our cars all simultaneously died died right in the middle of a in the middle of the I'm Manhattan not bridge. waiting 10 years to write a fucking op-ed in a weird magazine about it right but you know what, but, I, but i guess what i mean about the police thing is i'm saying like not one of those people decided to call the police that night and be like, hey, some fucked up shit happened. Did it, like, right. I'm going to report this. Like, because that's a thing you could go query or figure out, you know, if there were more reports of that happening that night. I don't know. Or you could talk to one of those dozens of people that apparently watched this whole thing happen and saw little guys in jumpsuits. <laughs> Dark jumpsuits. Which is not what the other three guys described. I know. For the record. I know. I know, dude. So anyway, back to the kidnapping. Uh, she had toes, so Linda's not an alien. She got toes. Perfect. In October of 91, so four months later, nope, six months later, Dan kidnaps Linda again. Bro, and get, give it a rest, Daniel. Yeah, Dan needs help. Can you cut it out for us, Daniel? And... At the time, uh, he, he, again, like, pulls up next to her on the street, forces her into his car, and Linda has a tape recorder just on her person at the time. Apparently, she was working with somebody because she felt like she was being stalked by Richard and Dan that had told her to keep it on her person in case they approached her. You know what? Not a bad idea. Um... So that she could report it to the police and say, like, this is what these guys are coming up to me and, like, saying and doing. Yeah. Yeah. Reasonable. Yeah. So, anyway, she has a tape recorder on her for that reason, I suppose, and is able to record a few minutes of this conversation that they have in once she's in the car. Uh, but he finds a tape recorder and takes it, apparently. He drives to some beach house on Long Island. 
This is this is the bizarro, like fucking far gone shit. Is yeah, this next part is very weird and unfortunate. He uh, allegedly demanded that she put on a white nightgown similar to the one similar to a nightgown that she wore on the night she was abducted. Mm-mm. Um thanks I hate it. She, Sounds like a horror movie. I hate she it. She did and Dan then drops to his knees and starts talking incoherently about her being quote the lady of the sands. She ran away from Dan at this point which I totally understand. God bless. Dan runs after her, catches up, and tries to drown her in the ocean. Dan, this is considered a dick move. Well, I mean, this is considered attempted murder. Um, I mean, also this. After the second time that he tries to push her into the ocean, or push her face under the ocean, um... (laughs) Dan is hit by some sort of, quote, force, and he's knocked back onto the beach. Linda runs away and looks back at one point to see Dan taking a photograph of her. She continues running away, and then Richard shows up next to her, stops her, convinces her to go back to the beach house, and then Richard and Dan... Uh, this story is so goofy. I know. They go back to the beach house. Linda sh- searches the beach house while they're all three of them are there, finds another cassette tape and stationary bearing a CIA letterhead. Yeah. So I saw, I saw, Hey, we just opened a beer without spilling it. I'm so proud of both of us. Party on. So proud of both of us. I'm still 0 for 1, but you're 1 for 2 now. You need another one? You're bringing our average up a whole octave. Here, take this one. I'll open it for you, (laughs) and let's see if we can keep our average up. I need a beer chaperone. (laughs) Took a month off of drinking and forgot how to do it. Oh, you mean a chaperone? Nailed it. uh, Yeah, that's about as good as we can get. (laughs) Um, uh, So I don't know what the fuck that means, but... Yeah, there, there's a weird part in the book where, and again, I haven't read it. I've read all the Cliff Notes like versions of it. The the synopsis. I don't know where. I think my copy's like at my dad's house somewhere. Mm. I tried to find one this week, and they're expensive on eBay now. And Dad, your dad's getting hype right now, bro. It's he probably brought it to Goodwill. Um, but the but the point that the book is trying to make at this point is that like, or I guess my interpretation is the point that the book is trying to make at this point is. Dan Dan and Richard are either former or existing CIA officers who are potentially part of like some disinformation thing where they're trying to like mess with her and like figure out what she knows. But and also like, maybe working for the UN. Yeah. Or maybe they never worked for the UN and that was an additional cover story or yeah. whatever. Like I think that's what is trying to be insinuated, which like just for a second to play the actual what if card is an interesting concept that if this woman actually did have a crazy experience and there was some sort of like men in blackish esque thing that they were putting forth, they were basically trying to make her feel crazy like that. This would be a way to do it to like stalk her and grill her and kidnap her multiple times. And like, can't you give, just give people some LSD like the old days? I mean, 
If like only. The good old days where there's just free if acid. Only. If only. But do you know what I mean, though? Like, again, like, yeah. to, ah, to, to fully yes. devil's advocate the situation, if, if, if there was something going on or if she had had an experience of some kind and they wanted her to, like, stop talking about it or feel, you know, uncomfortable or be received as crazy... That would be a way to do it would be to be like these two guys saw the thing you saw and they're going to talk to you about the thing you saw and ask you questions about the thing you saw. And like, but actually they're going to kidnap you and try and drown you in the ocean. Yeah. like And yell at you about nightgowns. and Right. Do, also yeah, be fucking weird. You know? Also there's CIA stationery. Yeah. <laughs> CIA. I mean, I guess they must. They got stationery. Do they put their, do they put CIA on it? We're the CIA. Wouldn't you just like... Seems pretty antithetical to the yeah, whole right. secrecy thing, doesn't right. it? They they leaving each other notes just like on but, the on the fridge in the break room. To be and frank, paper, like the concept of the CIA using paper just sounds kind of dumb. Like I a, mean, a paper trail for the most secretive organization you, in you had the world. To. Yeah, no, yeah. At a time it's you the, had it's to. It's the '90s, bro. But I mean, like, I mean, stationary, like in 1991. Like, what are y'all pulling your typewriters out and being like? From CIA to person, <laughs> like that seems a little. Dear secret agent, Dear... love secret agent. <laughs> Dear secret agent, how are your bad things going? <laughs> Did you spy on the thing Have about the su- stuff? <laughs> Have you succeeded? Please on the code spine? goodbye. Uh, another. Uh, I guess we just got to wrap this up eventually. I don't know how. Oh uh, man, there's a, a an interesting article slash ends up being sort of a, a debunking of this whole story mm. from tricksterbook.com. Tricksterbook. Had I loaded it up, this is where I would hit the damn son, where'd you find that? Damn son, where'd, where'd you, find, you this? find this? Yeah, I didn't. You know the thing we talked about doing last week? We're going to do that. I didn't do it. Don't worry, we're going to do it. That was on the Patreon, guys. You have to go over there to hear that, too. Also, um, message received on not killing still a piece of garbage hey guys other things we do on the patreon we, we, we called uh like 33 percent or so of the soundboard sounds because we hadn't uh a we were running out of space and b we hadn't done it basically since the beginning of the show <laughs> no yeah not since like 2017 or whatever so that was. we did some editing and we edited out hi thanks for checking in i'm still a piece of garbage it was and not everybody well, not well received. from the patreon yelled at us so, so we'll bring it back on behalf of ryan and myself oh Oh, it's so oh, quiet. Oh, it's so quiet. Oh, hold on. What happened? We know it's important. Help us. It's very important. On behalf of Spencer and myself, we want I'm to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There it is. Why are you talking? Why <laughs> love His mom coming in at the end just to chastise him. It's too oh. perfect. Um. So anyway, tricksterbook.com slash articles online slash Linda Cortilcase.htm. Damn, son. Where'd you find <laughs> this? That's pretty good. Not my worst impression. Yeah, that's not bad. I have some very bad that's ones, bad. and that's, that's not my worst nope. one. Anyway, uh, what was I about to quote from them? Oh, they talk about this uh, alleged implant, nasal implant thing. Oh, yeah. We haven't even gotten there. So she's got some shit up her nose uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I guess the aliens put there. She had an x-ray in November of 91. So that's what, two years after the alleged abduction? Yes. Um, a doctor whom Hopkins, mm. because of course Hopkins is now involved in Linda's medical care for some reason. You dicked her, bud. Uh, whom Hopkins describes as, quote, closely connected with Linda, you know, like her doctor, mm. 
took an x-ray of her head because she knew about the story of the nasal implant and because Linda spoke frequently of a problem with her nose. So Linda thought that she had been abducted prior to this 1989 incident Mm -hmm. and that this was just one in a series of abductions that she happened to remember for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But she had been abducted multiple times before that. Can I do a quick aside and tell what she thought was a previous version? Sure. She went and saw an ear, nose, and throat specialist in 1976 because she saw a photo of herself some years after she had her first child wherein she thought her nose looked strange, like it had either grown or shifted, and she was worried that she might have had like a tumor or like a growth in her face or under her nose or something like that. And when she went in, uh, the specialist had discovered a buildup of cartilage and what appeared to be a surgical scalpel scar inside of Linda's nasal cavity. Okay. And she said she had never had a surgery of any kind performed on her or in her nose that she remembered and her mom and sister both like verified that that had been the case. And so I think there was a presumption at some point that that was a uh, early uh, experience she had where she had been probed and or surgically operated on. Uh, at the Got time. it. So in 91, she gets this x-ray of her nose. And for whatever reason, she gets the x-ray from the doctor who took it mm. and brings it to Bud Hopkins, mm. who showed it to a, quote, neurosurgeon friend of his. Bud, tell me what's in my head. I didn't, if you have an x-ray taken, you can't keep it, right? If I go to the doctor and they take an x-ray, like if I go to the dentist and they take an x-ray of my teeth, can I ask to take that home with me at the end of my appointment? Have I been missing out this whole time? So, yes. Yes, I have. And yes, you can? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I did it once. Huh. Of what? Uh, I fractured my wrist in high school and I was like, what do you guys do with those? And they're like, well, we just like leave them in your file here. And I was like, what if I want it? (laughs) And they just gave it to you? And they just gave it to me. Huh. Okay, well, she did that, and she brought it to Bud Hopkins, and Bud Hopkins uh, apparently showed it to a neurosurgeon friend of his who saw a sizable, clearly non-natural object in the nasal area. Uh-oh. Quoting from this tricksterbook.com You article. hate to see it. You really do. And they think it's an, an alien implant. Of course they do. And uh, Hopkins went around showing it to showing a, a a slide or a not a scan, I guess. Sure. A slide of the x-ray during presentations with Linda. And it the object appears to be about a quarter inch long with what looks to be maybe a wire at one end. Mm. So skeptical me says... Uh, who took that x-ray? Why did she take it with her? Yep. Why did a doctor not look at it? Why does Bud Hopkins have her fucking x-rays? Why are we trusting Bud Hopkins to analyze other people's x-rays? And too how, dickered, Bud. And lastly, how hard is it to put something in your nose before getting an x-ray taken? Probably not too hard. If you're going through weird back channels of, of x-ray taking. I was going to say, depends on who you know, I think is the primary 
So anyway, there's that, I guess. Yeah. There's also a weird uh, report from her husband that the whole family, including her, so her husband, and then I think they had two sons. Linda and her husband had two sons. I don't know. Uh, that that everyone the night that she was uh, quote unquote abducted woke up with uh, right nasal cavity nosebleeds at the same time in the middle oh, of the night that shit. night. They need to fun buy little, a humidifier. Fun little weird fact for you there. Uh, yeah. Your hair's too dry, bud. It's, it's too. It's too much. It's too many aliens in the air tonight. Can we? <laughs> Thanks, Phil Collins. I can feel the. <laughs> UFOs in the air. Okay, good. Um, go ahead. I, I mean, <laughs> go ahead. I think we're sure. Don't no, tell me. Tell me more. <laughs> we're, we're up against the clock here, but uh, we are. I found on uh, the the trickster whatever the fuck doc biz. Um, Damn. They propose. I should actually say who wrote this article. It was Joseph Stefula, Richard Butler, and George Hansen. They, sure. wrote, they wrote an article called A Critique of Bud Hopkins' Case of the UFO Abduction of Linda Napolitano. Uh-oh! <laughs> you, we got rid of it. It's gone. I know. That's why I, can't, I, I had to. That's why I, I did it. I can't press. That's why I did it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I did it because I knew we didn't have it. So they wrote this article in, I don't know when. Um, but one thing they suggest as a possible explanation is that there may be a what they call a literary basis for elements of this story. Uh, so there is a book called, it is called, hold on, Night Eyes. Okay. Um, and it is written by Garfield Reeves Stevens, which is oh, just, an, why not me? <laughs> just an incredible why name. Why not me? <laughs> Someone named Garfield Reeves Stevens wrote a book called Night Eyes. Phenomenal. And there are some odd or interesting parallels between that book and Linda Cortiel's story. Mm-hmm. Specifically in regards to two characters in Night Eyes named Sarah and Wendy. So they are suggesting that her story may be... um. A conflation of these two characters in this book. Intentional, really? unintentional, or otherwise. That's interesting. So they, they put together the, this little table of uh, parallels to Linda's story and this book, Night Eyes. Interesting. Or Sarah and Wendy's characters, specifically in the book, Night Eyes. Number one. Linda was abducted by a UFO hovering over her high-rise apartment building in New York City. Sarah in Night Eyes, was abducted by a UFO hovering over her high-rise apartment building in New York City. Mm. Dan and Richard claimed to have been on a stakeout and were involved in a UFO abduction in the early morning hours. In Night Eyes, two government agents were on a stakeout and became involved in a UFO, UFO abduction in the early morning hours. Mm. Linda was kidnapped and thrown into a car by Richard and Dan. Wendy was kidnapped and thrown into a car by Derek and Merrill. Interesting. Linda claimed to have been under surveillance by someone in a van. Surveillance vans are common in Night Eyes. Dan mm. is a security and intelligence agent. Derek is an FBI agent. Uh, during the kidnapping, Dan took Linda to a safe house. During the t kidnapping, Derek took Wendy to a safe house. The safe house was located on a beach in both stories. 
so there are just all these. There are tons of parallels. Ten more. Yeah. Um, Linda and Dan were abducted at the same time. I don't. I missed that part. Bud Hopkins is a UFO abduction researcher living in New York City and an author who has written books on the topic. In Night Eyes, the character Charles Edward Starr was a prominent UFO abduction researcher living in New York City and an author who had written books on the topic. Huh. So... Well, that one's tough because she didn't make up Bud Hopkins existing. Right. But they work together on this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. It's also interesting if you pair that book and those facts with the fact that she may have read... Bud Hopkins is intruders. Not May. She says she did. Or I sorry. She for sure did, but whether or not she potentially read it before she ever interacted with Bud Hopkins. If she had both this book with all of those details, plus she knew who Bud Hopkins was and all of his like you know, work in the abduction field. I mean, she could have been playing the game the entire time. Yes. She could have been like, all right. I know this dude. I'm going to invent this story. We're going to go on a book tour together. I'm going to get half the rights of the book. I'm going to fucking go on presentations with this dude. And his book sold a shitload of copies. I'm sure it did. And back then, you probably made more off a book if you were. I mean, people probably bought more of them. Well, there's that too. Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I mean, the the least likely explanation to me is that... There are 23 Linda versions of eyewitnesses of this woman getting abducted out of her window in fucking downtown Manhattan in New York City. That's the least likely version of this I can wrap my head around. Yep. The most likely one to me feels like she concocted a thing and put it in front of a guy who was ready to believe a thing. And then, or had a financial incentive to believe a thing. Yes, and then the two of them together concocted this fucking wild, winding tale. However, I can't. If that's the case, I really can't blame either of them. I can't blame her for saying, "You know what? If I go to this guy with this story and I sell it correctly, yep, I can make myself a bunch of money." And I also can't blame him for saying. This woman came to me with this story. If I write about it, we can both make a bunch of money. It, I mean, really? I shouldn't. I shouldn't say I can't blame them. I was going to say. I under, like- I, I'm not saying that's a uh, an ethical thing to do. I'm saying I understand how that could happen. Sure. Sure. I understand how that could happen too. I, I think. One of the things we've talked about on the show before is I think one of the hard things for me is the the people that do these versions of this stuff glamorize it, create or concoct. And I'm not necessarily saying that's exactly what happened. We don't know what happened, but like it it feels sketch for a variety of reasons. It's possible uh, that that's what happened here. It's possible that that's what happened. And if that is what happened, I think it's difficult because when people do that stuff, I think it detracts from the stuff that we really can't explain. The stuff we really can't figure out. The stuff that's really... Yeah, for sure it does. Like, strange. And I think that's unfortunate because... The strange is entertaining, but we live in the society of spectacle... And so the more spectacle you can create out of a thing, 
the more shine you're going to get for for that thing and that being the case people will consistently adhere towards bringing whatever their normative thing is closer to being a spectacle so that it rises above the rest and then they get the attention or desire that they want and here we are in 2020 and everything's fucking going to shit oh boy <laughs> i don't know if going is the right word <laughs> everything we've been, been been to shit we've been fucking I, I need do they make waiters that go over your head for the amount of shit we gotta fucking trudge through love you bye all right <laughs> love you guys appreciate you thanks for listening have a great week we'll see you next week